Today on Twitter and many other places, there is something trending because there is outrage that has been sparked yet again after a shooting and after another deadly encounter with a police officer. I'm sure you have seen, many of you, and if you haven't, online there is a very graphic video. And what this video shows is a deadly encounter outside of a convenience store. On the video, you clearly see two police officers pinning down a man whose name most of you now know, and that man's name is Alton Sterling. The two officers pinned down Mr. Sterling, a 37-year-old male, a 37-year-old black male. And then very vividly in the video, you can see as he's lying on the ground, they shoot him. Now the video has been shared widely on media. What is sparked over of this very quickly are local protests and now not just the country nationally but the world is watching. Baton Rouge, Louisiana police say they came to the scene early yesterday after an anonymous 911 caller reported a man threatening him with a gun. Now, accounts of what happened depend on whom you ask, specifically what happened next after that alleged 911 call reporting a man threatening him with a gun. Right now, what we do know is Mr. Sterling is dead. We know the federal authorities are investigating. We know the president of the NAACP's local branch is calling for the city's police chief and for the mayor to resign. The U.S. Justice Department Civil Rights Division will be the lead agency investigating this shooting. And that was confirmed by the governor of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, today when he spoke with reporters. In Baton Rouge, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI, and state police will also all be working together. All will be involved in this. The governor of the state called for calm and unity. He said he has, quote, very serious concerns after he watched this video. This was a video taken on a cell phone of that shooting. He said, quote, the video is disturbing to say the least. And I think most of us would agree that, see it, disturbing is an understatement. An understatement. Edmund Jordan is an attorney representing the Sterling family. He said the video of the shooting raises troubling questions. He said, quote, I think that the city is going to have to give us some good answers. Jordan's also a Louisiana state legislator. He said, and I don't know if they'll be able to. Sterling's family has also seen this video. He said they are taking it hard right now, overwhelmed with grief. So let's talk about that video. One of the things I can't do with an audio show is show it to you, but it's my job to describe it for you if you have not seen it. Some of you traveling, some of you working, some of you trying to unplug from certain social devices, some of you hearing about this perhaps for the first time. The video is 48 seconds in length. It appears to be footage from a cell phone. It's allegedly recorded by a witness inside a car that was nearby the incident. And what it begins with 
is the camera facing a car dashboard. So picture, you're sitting in a car and you see the dashboard of a car. And then you can clearly hear a single pop. Now, for those of you that never have heard gunshots, and, and I have, I have to say, I think the first time I ever heard gunshots when I lived in Chicago years ago, and it wasn't a crime, it was people celebrating, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, leading the Bulls to a victory. But a single pop is heard, and if you've ever heard a gunshot, it's clearly a gunshot. If you haven't heard a gunshot, you, you may wonder what it is and may wonder even if it is a gunshot. And then again, clearly, someone yells, quote, get on the ground. And then another pop follows, the same kind of pop you heard the first time around. That camera then opens up and it pans, it moves up. And when it moves up, you see two police officers confronting a man who is wearing a red shirt. That man is Sterling, by the way. That has been confirmed by his family's attorney. An officer pulls him over the hood of a silver car and then pins him to the ground. Once he's down on the ground, the officer begins to assist a second officer in restraining Mr. Sterling. Seconds later, someone shouts, he's got a gun. An officer can be seen drawing something from his waist. Now, first of all, when you hear he's got a gun, what will we all think? Perpetrator, Sterling's got a gun. No, person's yelling, he, as in officers, got a gun. But an officer can be seen drawing something from his waist and pointing it at the man on the ground. More yelling follows. It's really hard at this point to make out what's being said because there's different voices, different yelling, different things being yelled. And then two more bangs. The people sitting in the car who are taking this footage shout and swear. And then three more bangs go off. And you can hear the weeping and crying of a woman in that vehicle that is shooting this video footage. Now, the Baton Rouge police told CNN that their detectives are going to renew, uh, review excuse me, the cell phone video. The police chief and the mayor are, you know, ha- had spoken about this earlier today at a press conference. Police officials say the video was not sent to the department. It was actually released to the media and posted online first, and that's the way things are coming in our very transparent world. Police have said the officers involved have been placed on administrative lead. It's a standard practice, by the way, when an officer is involved in a shooting. And the owner of the convenience store where Mr. Sterling was killed, he said he's sure that the shooting was also caught on his store's surveillance cameras, but he hasn't seen the video footage of those cameras, of those surveillance cameras. Police took that video yesterday. That has been confirmed by the police. They also confirmed this with the media, with CNN. Well, the reason I say this is because some people might say, well, that's one angle and one video footage account, if you will, that cell phone. But maybe there is another video with that convenience store. And what about body cameras? State Representative C. Denise Marcel said the police chief briefed her and told CNN affiliate WAFB-TV that the officers were wearing body cameras, but the cameras fell off during the struggle, and those cameras did not capture the shooting. So we have the cell phone video, and, and perhaps the police have now the video from the convenience store. Okay. Um, uh, by the way, the family attorney said he heard the officers' body cameras fell off in the struggle. Sterling was known as the CD man. 
Okay, a laid-back guy. He would sell tunes and DVDs outside the convenience store, the very store he was shot in front of, according to the local media. They say he was a respected man. He was beloved in the community. And certainly many who watched this feel he did not deserve the treatment or the successive force that was exerted on him by the police department. Sterling's family is grieving and they're mourning for this unnecessary loss of life, as I mentioned, the attorney said. And what was happening, they said, is he was out there selling CDs trying to make a living. By the way, he was doing it with the permission of the store owner, so he was not trespassing or anything like that. Not like Eric Garner, who the bodega allegedly called and said, get this guy out selling cigarettes, hurting my business. This store owner's not selling CDs. The store, by the way, is a triple S food mart. The owner is Abdullah Muflahi. He said he's known Sterling for six years. Abdullah let him sell the CDs in front of the store. He said he has never seen Sterling get into a fight, and he said he clearly saw the officers slam Mr. Sterling on a car. This is what the triple S food mart owner told the media. Quote, they told him not to move. He was asking them what he did wrong. He said the officers then used a stun gun on Sterling at least once before shooting. Both got on top of him, ordered him not to move. The one closest to his legs yelled, gun, and the shots followed. After the shooting, the store owner, Mr. Mulfali, said an officer reached into Sterling's pocket and pulled out a gun. And when it was over, Muflahi said he heard the officers talking on the scene, saying they had been called there due to a complaint that Sterling had pulled a gun on someone. But Mufloni said he never saw a confrontation between Mr. Sterling and anyone, and that he never has in the six years he's known him. He said he wasn't aware of any incident about which someone would have been called. He said just five minutes before, he was walking into my store getting something to drink, joking around, and we were calling each other names. At a press conference... The president of the NAACP's branch in Baton Rouge today called for the city's police chief and mayor to resign in the wake of the shooting, saying, quote, We're actually here today to speak to the culture of the Baton Rouge Police Department. This incident is only one incident in many. He told reporters, What we're going to do is root out the 1% of bad police officers that go around being the judge, the jury, and executioner of innocent people, period. But more specifically, innocent black lives the officers involved should be held accountable he said i'm calling on anybody in the city with any backbone to go and arrest those two officers if the system will work for anybody let it work for them too now mr sterling had children and the mother of one of those children quinietta mcmillan teared up as she discussed the video she said that her 15 year old son mr sterling's son stood beside her sobbing She said the individuals involved in his murder took away a man with children who depended upon their daddy on a daily basis. And as this video has been shared across the world, you will see with your own eyes he was handled unjustly and killed without regard for the lives that he helped raise. She has vowed to join fellow citizens of Baton Rouge in making sure those responsible are held accountable. By the way, they're not together. She's saying this about her ex. I, for one, will not rest, she said, and will not allow you all to sweep him in the dirt. Louisiana's governor did say he expressed condolences to the family. He spoke on the phone with the aunt of Mr. Sterling, and he did say officials agreed there should be an independent investigation. Quote, there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that this incident is going to be investigated impartially and thoroughly. By the way, a poll, one in five African-Americans report unfair dealings with police, and that's just this past month. Now, I'm a white chick, but I definitely have opinions, strong ones on this issue. I know do you do as well. Let me ask you some questions because I want to hear from you. 
We don't have all the information. Based on what you know, what you've heard, or what you've seen, based on what we know thus far, what is your opinion of what happened to you? What is your take on this shooting? 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Pick up the phone and join me. Alton Sterling was shot dead while he lied on the ground after being tased. Was deadly force on a man who was already tased and lying on the ground necessary? In other words, was this an example like no other of excessive force? Was this an example of excessive force? Was this amount of force excessive in your opinion? I'd love to hear from some police officers. Love to hear from those of you in the African-American community or others that feel when you're walking down the street, you are a target. Or anybody else out there has seen this video or heard with my description and others, was this force excessive or was this necessary? Your opinion, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, Sterling supposedly had a gun on him. Louisiana, by the way, is an open carry state. How come the NRA is not coming to this man's rescue? How come the NRA is not defending Mr. Sterling's Second Amendment rights? 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. Isn't it hypocritical of the NRA? This guy's outside a store selling CDs, DVDs. Maybe he had the gun for protection. We're not hearing anything about that. 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. Is it important that all of the evidence is released quickly and quickly to the public? Because we have seen large-scale protests and potentially riots break out in the past over things like this. So in other words, before any large-scale protest or potential riot can begin, do you think it's essential that all evidence be released quickly, as quickly as possible, to the public so we can nip in the bud any large-scale protest or potential riot? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. With the question of whether this shooting was warranted have come about if it wasn't for the bystander filming and releasing their footage. In other words, black guy found with a gun outside a grocery store, two cops put him away. Would it even have made page three of the local paper unless this cell phone video captured what took place? And we'll see what the convenience store uh, footage does. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Would the question of the shooting, uh, would, would we even uh, know uh, anything about the shooting if not for that cell phone video? 888-6-LESLIE. Now, there is police body camera footage of the shooting of Sterling, but cameras dislodged during the encounter. So the video potentially could be inconclusive. Will this, along with the store surveillance cameras, help us to decide was this truly a murder or were the police acting within their right and justified? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543. Or do additional videos make a situation harder? We've seen that happen before with Michael Brown. Let's take some calls. We are talking about yet another police shooting. Let's start with Gregory in Ohio, line two, uh, listening on Spreaker. Uh, Gregory on our stream on Spreaker, a division of iHeartRadio. Gregory, good afternoon. Uh, First off, uh, what's your take on this off the top? Well, Leslie, it's not surprising. Um, Even the fact that they are um, disputing the videotape. Now, it was just reported that the second videotape is just totally graphic, too graphic to show. But the interesting thing about this, Leslie, is being a black man, I've been pulled over by the police. I'm a military black man. Been pulled over in uniform and had to worry about whether my life is being taken. It's interesting because no one is saying that all the police are bad. 
and they're not going to police their own because of this blue shield. Okay, but hold that thought. Don't. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. We got to take a quick break, sweetie. We're coming right back to you. A lot of people agree with you about them protecting that own and that blue wall, right? That blue wall. We'll be back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Don't go away. If you want to join us, eight 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 six Leslie, or follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. We'll be right back. Oh, mother, there's too many of you to cry. Brother, brother, brother. There's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some love in. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. Unfortunately, we have another man dead, Mr. Alton Sterling. A video of a deadly encounter, which we most of us have seen. Two officers who have taken this man's life and outrage has sparked throughout this nation yet again. Mr. Alton Sterling is a black man. He was apprehended by two police officers, held to the ground and shot. There's cell phone footage. There's supposedly more footage from a convenience store, which he had worked outside of selling CDs and DVDs for six years with the permission of the owner of that convenience store. We're asking you, based on what you know, based on what you've seen, what's your take on this? He was shot dead while lying on the ground. After being tased, was this force excessive? Those kinds of questions and more are what we're discussing today. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We were talking with Gregory in Ohio online too. Gregory, let's go back to you. And you were talking about that blue wall and talking about not being surprised and sharing your own experiences. Thank you. Exactly. Not only that, but seeing in the sense that if you are a black man of some proportionate size, it's intimidating to them. And, you know, I know as being a military man, being I spent 20 years, over 20 years in the military, the last part of my career in special operations. So there are techniques that they, that they teach you before you get to lethal uh, force. But you look at it in the sense that the thing that they're failing to realize is that these shootings are caused by cops who don't live in that community. So, therefore, they don't respect that community. Mm-hmm. And when they go into these communities, they have their little names, uh, Little Africa, uh, the, the little names that they have for these little black communities that they patrol. So when they go in there, they're not looking to be peacemakers. They're going in to be life takers. And until folks start speaking up, you know, I'm, I'm interested in where, uh, where Ben Carson is. He can, uh, he can, can defend Donald Trump. Where Ben Carson at? You know, where's, uh, where's Amarosa? Uh, where's, where's Darnell Scott, that preacher from Cleveland? These are prominent black people that refuse to come out and say anything about this. It's not about black lives matter because all lives matter, but it just seems like black lives are the ones that's being taken. Does that matter? Wow, that's powerful. I'm not even going to touch that. That's powerful as it is. Thank you. Thank you for that. By the way, our caller's not the first one that said a big problem, and I've even heard from some police officers on this program, is police not being part of the community. Years ago, it was like, hey, Officer Bob, walking down the street, he knew who you were, what you did, and if those pops had been in that community, this might not have happened because they would have known this man, uh, and they would have known his character. 
um, just like uh, the man that owned the convenience store did. Let's continue with the calls, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, keep in mind, when we finish with the call, it's your cue to call through. We just finished with Gregory in Ohio, a line available for you right now. Give us a buzz, 888-6-LESLIE. Let's go to West Virginia on line one. Uh, Toby, uh, Toby also listening on iHeartRadio's Spreaker stream through our website, lesliemarshallshow.com. Uh, Toby, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Toby. Toby, what's your take on this? I'd just like to know why this has to be about him being black. I mean, why is it not, why is the focus, like I was reading on Twitter, there's 400,000 tweets about how, you know, he's a black man that was shot. Why is it not about the fact that cops committed a heinous crime? Why is it about just they shot a black guy? Why is it not they took a life they shouldn't have? Well, I, I, I know. Thank you, Mark. Because if you look at the number of victims at the hands of police who many feel use excessive force, they are uh, primarily black men. Uh, the numbers are just, I mean, they're just, you know, disproportionate um, in that African-American community in comparison with other communities uh, in our country. Well, see, I get that. But what, what I want to know is, Everybody's like, oh, all cops are bad. Uh, I mean, like Beyonce's and sitting there encouraging the violence against cops. And why is the focus not? Why is it? Oh, Black Lives Matter. Why? I just said. I just said that. I just said that. You know, know, what I'm I'm saying. Wait a minute. 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 You have a, 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 a community of people that were brought to this country. And, and prior to being, and once brought to this country, hundreds, people forget how many, hundreds of years uh, were, were enslaved, were brought here in chains. Now, I know that this man uh, was not Mr. Sterling. However, the African-American community, and I am a white woman, so I cannot speak as a member, but I know what the members of that community have told me throughout my years in this business, on radio, on television, in person. When I give talks, people email me, send me letters, come up to me at a public appearance and, and tell me a story of something that happened to them. I, I don't know, are, are you a white man, if that's okay to ask you? Uh, my family is so many things that you don't have enough time on the air to, for me to I, list them all. I got you. You're True Heinz 57. Are you African American? I have no idea. You have no idea. Okay, you, you just you, I'm, you're, I'm mostly Asian. You're mostly Asian. Okay. Um, you, you and I don't know what it's like to be to to feel fear. We know what it's like when we see you know sirens or you know you see those lights, those blue lights behind you on a freeway. We all get that anxiety. But do you really know what it's like to walk into a restaurant and look around and everybody in there? is white and you're black do you know what it's like to walk down a street and anytime a police officer drives by you hold your breath because you don't even know if you're going to live till tomorrow when those cars go by because of the number and and number of not just reports but incidents of african-american men african-american males and even young males who are not just stopped by police um, apprehended by police um, but also whose lives are taken by police like we have seen in, in this video. So when you say, I don't understand why, I've now told you twice why. Because this community is a victim of being stopped by police, harassed by police. This is a community where there are more African Americans that have been wrongly identified by non-African Americans and sentenced by non-African American majority juries 
and and th- some of those people that are that are still behind bars that are innocents. The Innocence Project is working on over a hundred of them in Illinois alone when I was living there that were released based on DNA. Th- th- this is a a community that has and continues to be victimized when you look at law enforcement and their relationship with especially males in the African-American community. No, you're right. I don't understand what those feelings are like. But let me ask you something. Have you ever poured gasoline on a campfire? No. Okay, well, when you do, there's an explosion that happens. All I'm trying to say is that people, instead of being, they are victimized, and I, I I don't get it, but I understand that it happens. The focus should be getting rid of the police officers that are doing these crimes. Well, excuse me. That's exactly, you know, what they want. What police officers were gotten rid of in the Eric Garner case? What police officers were gotten, what, 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 what man, what, and not just police officers, remember a guy named Trayvon Martin? Guy who shot him is walking around. What happened with uh, what happened with Michael Brown uh, in, in Ferguson? I mean, the list goes on. They agree with you. This is why you see riots, which I'm not justifying or condoning. Violence is wrong. First Amendment is right. Violence is wrong. Absolutely. However, I don't believe in by any means necessary. I do believe in peace. And Martin Luther King Jr. presented an example of that, and I believe that's why we have uh, the civil rights uh, that we have today. But you know what? Just because you have legislation, just because you have something in the Constitution that doesn't change the attitudes and mindsets uh, of the people. So I think it's it's good that you raise that question because we can have this conversation. And I don't disagree with you that people – perpetrators, whether they have uniforms on or not, need to be held accountable. The problem is they're not being held accountable, and these incidences keep happening, and they don't stop. Let's continue with the calls. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Like I said, we finish with a call. It's your cue to call through. Mike's in Phoenix, Line 5, listening on KPX, KPHX sorry, radio. talking. Uh, Mike in Santa Fe, my apologies, listening on KTRC, Line 4. Hey, Mike, good afternoon. Mike in Phoenix, give us a buzz back. I know cell phones drop. Uh, Mike in Santa Fe, good afternoon. Your take on this. Hi, Leslie. I'm from the area, and I have two things to say. One is um, I believe David Duke lives in that area and lives in Denham Springs, East Baton Rouge Parish, and there's a culture there that you're dealing with. And it was one of the two places that I was approached to join the Ku Klux Klan. They're still active there. So Wow. Okay. Um, when I was in the service, serving with black members who I respected, they asked me, uh, is it really bad back in Louisiana? And I always say, just stay out of East Baton Rouge Parish and you'll be okay. And that's what I always said. So it looks like it's the roosters have finally come home to roost. So Can, can you respond to the comment and question that the previous caller had as to, you know, why – um, you know, you know, why is it about a black man or is that relevant that it's a black man whose life was taken, like in the case of Mr. Sterling? Uh, why isn't it about, you know, punishing the officers? Um, isn't it about isn't it isn't it a two things? I mean, excessive force by police on any individual is wrong and those officers should be held accountable, especially if it leads to a person's death. But to ignore the fact that the person on the receiving end of that bullet is going to be, you know, uh, more so an African-American than any other color um, at the other end of that gun. That that has to be uh, brought up and discussed. Uh, Don't you agree? Leslie, I think that caller was a closet racist. 
And if you don't have the ability to empathize with the victims and see that lives have been taken that maybe shouldn't have been, and you come up with any type of a distracting reason to explain what's obviously in front of our, all of our faces, then you're a closet racist or you're trying to draw the conversation into an area that you shouldn't. And we should. Well, I, 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 w- I, don't, I don't disagree with the latter. I'm not going to say the guy's a racist based on that. I, I think it was a valid question. And, and, I hear, and I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, you have your opinion, but I disagree with you on that point. Uh, anything else, sweetie? Yeah, I, I grew up a racist, and uh, after my time in the service, I learned to respect people of all colors and overseas and all the different places that I... No, 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 wait, before I let you go, you just said something. You grew up racist. You were taught to be racist, is that fair to say? Yes, ma'am. And, you, and, and, who, ta- and who, ta- who taught you what about whom? 360 degrees, ma'am. I know, but who, at, when you were coming up, who taught you to be racist? Every member of your your circle, your social circle, that was just the lines were drawn. The military erases those lines. You become a fun. Who, who did you and who did you hate? What particular group would you say you hate? You hated in Louisiana. There's a, a very strong dislike for for African Americans. And you were at one time you disliked black people based on the color of their skin. Yes, ma'am. Can you share with us what were some of the things you thought about that group of individuals? Well, um, I, I would embarrass myself to say the things now because no, but I, I want think... you. I want you to because I want people to hear ignorance and and the fact that you overcame this ignorance is important as well. I want people to hear the ignorance in which prejudice is rooted. Can you please share some of the things you thought about this uh, segment of our human population? Language and speech is the first thing. Education, sense of accomplishment sense of uh, belonging, uh, a false sense of superiority over another group of people that you view to be inferior or trash. Um, and, and what to, and if you forgive my ignorance, because I grew up in Boston and, you know, uh, they're yeah. racist there. They're just more uh, quiet and polite about it, I guess. But for the most part, we're pretty uh, diverse and, you know, much more liberal uh, minded thinkers. So I grew up very differently. So let me let me ask you something. What would you say honestly I'm not here to judge you. I am very proud of you and admire you for admitting who you were, who you are, and having the open-mindedness to change. And that, that's very commendable, sir. So let me ask you, what would you say, honestly, that you and others of your mindset, when you had that mindset, would like to happen to this community? Uh, I think the federal investigation is the best part of it, but it's like there's this cultural entrenchment that you're going to have to pick up and move, and it's slow to develop because everyone... Well, no, what I'm I'm asking, what I'm asking more specifically is, was it your desire and perhaps even goal that African Americans would be shipped back to Africa, um, just, you know, have their own state, or even be killed? Um, I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand there, and I appreciate your kind words about when, when you when you had a racist mindset. What would yeah. for you and the people that had that mindset? What what were you hoping would happen to the people in this community? Because you knew they lived in Louisiana; they weren't going to disappear. Something had to happen for them not to be living among you. Well, there was.
because the tracks, the railroad tracks, separated all the communities, literally. Right. It was being on the wrong side of the tracks, and that's the way the expression went. No, no, I understand. And, I understand. So you guys were okay with them being over there. You just didn't want them on your side of the tracks. Correct. And okay. And then you, as you come along and, and you, you see certain people that you like get abused by certain elements like law enforcement, you just, you're filled with some sort of sense of there's something wrong. Okay, well, and before I let you go, and thank you for being so candid and sharing this, I love learning, and I think everybody's learning a bit from your experiences. What would you say was the first thing or the most important thing or maybe even the one thing that helped to start or really flipped you, um, as you said, 360, full circle, uh, degrees um, uh, when you were in the military and and your attitude to change your attitude toward uh, people who are are African-American? I ran in formation behind a black seal. I made love to a girl in the Philippines. I made love to another girl in Korea and Japan. And if I'm going to hate people based upon their race and skin color, I'm the biggest living hypocrite that there is. And I can't do that. Wow. So it it started with respect and admiration for somebody who clearly displayed opposite everything you believed about him based on his race. Or what you were taught to believe. And, 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 and you were you taught that? Would you say you were taught that by like your dad, your dad, your parents? I, you know, I, I don't want to drag people in. It just it, the racism comes at you for for three hundred and sixty degrees. Absolutely, ab- absolutely. I've met. Th- thank you very much. I've met uh, actually anti-Semites, skinheads, whatever people, neo-Nazis that have their tattoos removed and their stories are amazing. I met a man whose biggest regret in life is that he taught his children to hate. His two children are skinheads. He no longer is one. And he actually speaks at the Simon Wiesenthal Center, uh, the Museum of Tolerance uh, here in Los Angeles. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and take more of your calls. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Let's get back uh, to uh, those uh, callers. And we go next to Jeff in Phoenix, listening on KPHX Line 2. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, yes. Hey, how are you doing there? Good, thank you. Pretty good. And listen, let me just say something about this instance case where it's probably going to work out too as far as the other one, okay? In training, even with the 12-year-old boy in the park who they suspected had a gun, I don't care how how uh, hillbilly the town is, the officers are trained that if they suspect that the individual has a gun, and if they really think that their lives are in danger, they will pull up with their cruisers, use the door for cover, and give you orders to get down on the ground in the prone position. They're not going to run up on you and drive right up to that 12-year-old like they did, or they're not going to tackle a guy who you think is supposed to be in possession of a gun. They'll stop at a distance and give him orders, not unless they felt that fact he did not have a gun, whatever the reason was, or, or whatever. Now, when they said that one of the officers howled, yelled, gun, you're not supposed to yell gun unless the perp has a gun in his possession, in his hand. No, I was going to ask you that. Difference between in hand or in pocket, if you're on the ground in pocket and your hands but, are being held by a police officer, you can't grab the gun. Right. So one officer hears the word gun. He thinks that the perp has the gun. That also who fired is the one who thought that the perp some way had a firearm on him. The one who took the gun out of his pocket because he found the gun, yelled gun, caused the other officer to shoot. 
So, so you're you're saying it's justifiable because one officer basically? No, no, no. I'm not saying it's justifiable. It, it, but you're one sa officer, you're saying you don't think these officers did it intentionally. You think the one officer yelling "gun" prompted the other officer? Of course, the other officer. Yes, because no, no. Wait, if somebody sa sees a gun, do they shoot? No, but apparently, Jeffrey Flight. Apparently, he thought that the perp had that on in his hand or whatever. Okay, so you're, say you're saying that's why you think it came down that way. Okay, let's go to Charlie. Uh, Charlie on line one. 60 seconds, my friend, not even. Go ahead, very quickly, your take. Hi, Leslie, really quick. Isn't, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, doesn't uh, racism seem like it's a, a, a cultural uh, phenomenon, that just like Archie Bunker, it just takes cultures to grow through it? You know what, I... Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know that we grow through it. I think... I think we evolve. I mean, you know, President Obama, in response to the Muslim ban rhetoric from Donald Trump, you know, said that we, we go through this. We go through hatred of immigra immigrants. We go through hatred of certain cultures, uh, ethnicities, colors. We get through it. Unfortunately, we, I don't think we've ever gotten through this. Maybe we've improved. Maybe we thought we were on the other side, but clearly we are not. Good, good, very good question. We could do a whole show on that. I'm Leslie Marshall. Have a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back on Thursday. I hope you will as well. Thanks to Mark and Andrew, my great producers, here on the only True Democracy and Talk Radio. You all have a great afternoon and evening.